Hello, everyone. This is Jerry Lee, and I am so happy to have you with us today. And we want to thank uh, Janet Lee, my wife, for that beautiful rendition of hymns of the Christmas season. And I'm here today with the message, Forbidden Insights, standing in for the manifester. Here we go. Now, let's just talk a little bit. Let's talk about Forbidden Insights. We know that there is such a huge variety of what people believe and do not believe. But one of the things that the Bible does emphasize is not to quench the Holy Spirit. There is something very valuable, very important about that when the Holy Spirit reveals something to humanity, when something comes forth by the Holy Spirit, it is absolutely important and essential uh, to the believers to not in any way ever become part of the interference or the interception or the problem of displacement for the word that came from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has a reason of a spiritual nature for revealing the things that is revealed or that are revealed when the Holy Spirit speaks. Now, it seems that there are so many things that some of the modern type of uh, religious um, uh, society groups uh, that are churches and and all kinds of different uh, uh, religious uh, theatrical, uh, you know, embodiments of people that uh, <clears throat> they a lot of them don't believe in angels. Uh, a lot of them don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, which includes uh, healing and miracles, uh, discerning of the spirits, the gift of knowledge, the gift, the gift of wisdom, speaking in tongues. Uh, there are so many things that people begin to deny. Uh, they don't believe in continuing uh, revelation. They don't believe that there are any uh, uh, provisions for the continuance of disciplehood or apostleship. Uh, you can go on and on with the list. It seems to grow and grow and grow. And yet, somehow, during this time, that there has been this displacement in the church of these deep spiritual things, there has been a liberality open up to where all kinds of liberal stands uh, have uh, come in and been allowed uh, by the church world. And it's sort of like that the spiritual things have gone out and then the liberal things have come in to displacement because there always is a displacement when something becomes a vacuum. And I think that that is very sad and I think that it is very important that there is an awareness of these things. Now, especially with the manifest teachings, there are a lot of very deep insights. There are a lot of opening up of veins uh, that lead uh, through the sacred stones and are roadmaps uh, to moving in a higher oracle with God and into a higher placement uh, in the in the spirit uh, kingdom, now that is important when you consider the Bible is very insistent 
that as mortals we are bodies of flesh and blood and that flesh and blood can not inherit the kingdom of heaven that does not mean that it does not have a, a particular important uh, place of provision because it can be a temporary temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, it can be a temporary place in which uh, there is a matrix uh, for things to be birthed. But the long term of it is that those experiences in the abode of the mortal realm are only temporary. And they do not have the long-lastingness of, of eternalness. So those uh, points are absolutely important uh, to understand. And they pivot a very, very delicate line of demarcation. And if we fail to understand the delicateness of that line of demarcation, it is so easy to slide over to the other side and be walking in darkness and thinking that your darkness is light. And I think that it would be shocking to a lot of people if it was manifested to them that some of the, uh, uh, the light that they think they are walking in is actually darkness and that they are enclosed by that uh, error and by that that mistake and and perhaps by that stubbornness uh, in into a separation of God uh, from the higher sacred things and these sacred things are all throughout the Bible and they are they are written everywhere the signs and wonders of God are available uh, and it's just for people to be able to be open-minded. The state of mind, you know, is is so important. You could almost say that it is almost everything. A person's state of mind is the state of of being able to receive and the being able to open a door and being able to uh, believe, being able to have faith, being able to have imagination. Uh, being able to allow the Spirit to operate through a person. So we would like to perhaps start with a scripture that is just absolutely one of the favorite scriptures of the Manifest Teachings, and we refer to it frequently, and it's out of the 19th chapter of the Book of Psalms, and um, it was, um, you know, uh, written to the chief musician. And I think that that is an important way to start this scripture. Because, you know, music is a universal language. And uh, it, is, it, it is, you know, something about uh, the song uh, that, that, can, that can do things for the, the, the uh, personality, uh, for the disposition. Uh, it can do things for uh, one's uh, sense of, of uh, relaxation, one's sense of need, one's sense of confidence, uh, one's sense of, of expectation. It, it, it can do so much. And if you were handed a sheet of paper and there was, you know, a, a page of type on it and someone said, you've got to remember, you've got to memorize this, there would be a lot of people that would really have a difficult time uh, memorizing that sheet of paper. But if they were handed a, a, a sheet that had a couple songs on it that had equal amount of, of type, equal, equal amount of wordings, 
and they really liked the song and had a melody and they would sing it, it wouldn't take them any time to learn those songs as singing it in the melody. So there's something about song, something about uh, music that has a way of flowing through one's brain and into one's body uh, that has coordinate uh, co uh, possibilities and alignment operations uh, that just uh, allow the body to perform as though it were, was oiled, or we could say as though it was anointed. <clears throat> so let's start off then with this uh, this psalms to the chief uh, musician, not just any old musician, but the chief musician who was over all of the um, the worshiping um, um, you know uh, ministries that had to do with with the music ministry, and these people played harps, uh, they played all kinds of other instruments, and. Uh, they really, if you read about it in the book of Psalms, had something quite ecclesiastically going. Uh, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Now, there are so many heavens out there that it, it no doubt is countless. Because just as our planet, the earth, has a firmament, which is also in Genesis 1 called heaven, we know that there must be countless planets throughout the universe. And each planet that has any kind of gravity at all will have some kind of an environment uh, called an atmosphere, called a firmament, and uh, that would then also be considered a heaven. And then there are the spaces uh, in between that are called cosmic heavens, and they fall into different regions, uh, some about um, a constellation here and there, uh, some about uh, maybe just a star, or 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 maybe another set of um, of, of various kinds of uh, of combination of of heavenly bodies. So it says, "The heavens, the heavens, declare the glory of God." We can apply that to the whole cosmic order, to the whole universe. You know, we could say that that's incorporated there. Uh, because of the text and so forth. But I think there is a specific um, uh, uh, entunement here uh, when we, we're speaking that in the first place, in the highest order, that if you want to know about the glory of God and you want to get into the declarations of the glory of God, then you want to attach yourself uh, to the highest form and the highest order. Uh, don't go searching for the highest things of God in the lowest orders of life. Um, God wants you to know the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament, which is still a heaven, but it's getting down now closer to, to uh, the planet, uh, it also shows the handiwork of God. There is a difference calling something the handiwork as versus calling something the glory. So if you want to get into the glory of God, then you want to you want to really understand and know what it means when it's talking about the heavens declare the glory. If you're just not prepared for those glories, that they are forbidden to you uh, either by your own self 
either by your lack of faith, your lack of, of conduit, your lack of being able to feel that you have the capability to comprehend and perceive it, uh, then perhaps you would want to work a, a, about uh, the firmament, the the lower heaven, the the one that's right close to the earth, close to the planet, and uh, more or less be involved uh, in in stories and understandings about the handiwork of God, because there is there is revelation there, uh, there is um, you know uh, uh, associate. Uh, things that help a person uh, have a, a feeling of connection uh, to the kingdom. Uh, and then it goes on, it says, now, when we're thinking in terms of how often are these glories uh, available? How often are these handiworks available? Well, the answer seems to be in verse 2, day unto day. Uh, one day goes into another day. You could say that, that, that the day going into the other day would then have to incorporate the night because the night is in between, but not necessarily when we are looking at this in the quotum uh, uh, math of things or in the quotum logic of things because it has a way of looking at space differently than the uh, the physics of science. So we could really say that... Um, Day, being what day is, uh, has a way of just then being added to another day so that it is from day to day without thinking in terms of of it having to be connected uh, with the night. And then uh, we can read and see it says, day unto day uttereth speech. So this thing that is available this declaration of the heavens and the handiwork that is being depicted in the method that it is being depicted in the lower heaven uh, is something that's available from day to day. Now, that which is available from day to day is one level. That is a different level from the next level that follows. And it is revealing a speech. <clears throat> you, when you go down to the second level, it's night and the night, and it shows knowledge. Now, it's interesting that night and the night shows knowledge, while day and the day shows speech, because a person might think that knowledge would be higher than speech. But you see, knowledge is many, many times an information sheet or a collection of, of information, data. But speech is refined to a specific um, revelation that is already tailored, that is already by the Holy Spirit prepared uh, to be spoken directly to you and to become a part of the informing of your intelligence and your spirit and, and your mind. And so it is of a higher order. And the day and the day, as day and the day, can be without the night in between, night unto night, uh, can show knowledge without there being the day in between. So it's all very, very heaven, a uh, very interesting rather. Uh, so <clears throat> the heavens, there is a way by the, the total context that we could say that includes the cosmos, the universe, the planets, the solar systems, 
uh, but we also understand it now that it does include something even higher and more relevant to that which is uh, deeply spiritual. And, and the idea of declare means to speak, to show, to give signs, and to utter. So day unto day, uh, you know, like uh, yom to yom or or to or uh, is a specific revelation in the Hebrew. Uh, and and those are, those are very, very interesting words, quite uh, worthwhile for you to look them up in the Strong's Concordance or, or one of the concordances that are available. <coughs> now, night unto night, uh, la... Lilia, la Lilia, uh, is uh, night unto night, and uh, you can find that in um, uh, Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew, thirty-nine sixteen, and it talks about um, uh, something very very special there about you know this being a a a a kind of um, of darkness. Uh, not necessarily all uh, dictionary definitions of darkness or Bible diction, uh, Bible definitions of darkness, because uh, in Isaiah twenty one eleven you have a darkness and a darkness, uh, the Hebrew word uh, kojek, and uh, <clears throat> in, in uh, anyway incorporated in in these kinds of darkness, you have not only you know the sky darkness, but you have like the even a darkness of misery, you know, uh, a darkness of confusion uh, that that is connected to this, and uh, uh, within this, and especially connected to the choice of the um, peace manifest Bible term convolution, uh, from the idea that the meaning here that is relevant and and deeply perspective of what it is uh, it is uh, saying is the meaning to twist away from the light. There's this twist away from the light, and that's where the idea uh, of the Peace Bible uh, for the word convolution comes from, you know, to convolute away. So uh, we have day into day, we have night into night, and and which uh, is has the offshoot of the darkness into darkness. Uh, but all of these are presented in such a way that in this particular perspective, it transcends uh, a time factor because uh, it's, it's like a period of time without saying how long that period of time is, when that period of time is. It's, it's you know, uh, almost a perpetual presentation, uh, but it's, it is like infinite on a physical level, not on a spiritual level. So day into day, yom to yom, or to or, uh, night into night, La Leia and uh, uh, darkness and the darkness Kozak. So those are all very very interesting, and uh, uh, you know just as light uh, is the beginning, so in a in a way of speaking of time, uh, because light is propagated with vibration. Um, there is uh, in the darkness. The certain uh, things that uh, that are offered as expansions of of uh, original matter, uh, and and that's why that we can think in terms uh, of the relationship there, uh, being being um, of, of a relative reasonable logic as to why why God allowed that there would be. Uh, <clears throat> 
there would be, as it says here in the 19th uh, uh, chapter in the second verse, that day unto day uh, would re would uh, uh, utter speech. Night unto night would show knowledge. So this knowledge, we can think in terms of it, you know, as original matter, because that is in, involved in, in the night to night. So there are some deep and profound uh, things here. Uh, many, many times, however, expansion must come from within. So something that you already have that you may not recognize uh, that is displaced in your mind uh, as though you didn't have it <clears throat> becomes a factor of, uh, of uh, keeping you from um, pertaining uh, or keeping you from um, enjoying uh, the things that God has put in you to be available, but because you are not aware of it, uh, you you cannot uh, appreciate it or use it or take advantage of it. So those things are are extremely important to understand. So <clears throat> um, there's so much I want to share here with you. It uh, is totally going to be awesome if you can fasten yourself to listen to this whole teaching. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so uh, I won't turn to these tonight, but we know that um, that there are scriptures um, uh, that God has given uh, in his time to us, um, like in Isaiah 45. Um, <clears throat> well, what do you know? It just opened right up to it. Maybe I should just read a little of it. It talks about... Um, in Isaiah 45, verse 12, I have made the earth and created man upon it. Uh, I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. Uh, we don't know for sure what that host is referring to. The host could be the host of the stars. <clears throat> it could be the host of the angels. It could be the host of creations. Uh, I, I can sort of see it really being about the host of creations because that's what the textual subject is. It's about, you know, I have made upon the earth a man. I have made a person who has the capability of having a consciousness about God. Then it would seem that there is available here, I've stretched out the heavens, and all their host I've commanded could be a reference to other creations on other worlds that are also under the laws of God. The laws of latolution, the laws of creation. There are so many things. You know, <clears throat> one time I had a person say to me, well, you know, there's going to be a magnetic reversal of the poles. And you know, the Bible tells nothing about that. I said, well, how are you so sure about that? Are you a scholar? Well, no, but I just know there's nothing in there. Well, how do you know that? My pastor told me there was nothing. Well, I'm sorry, my friend, but there is scripture in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, it says that God is going to turn the world upside down. So I said, that's a perfect scripture to talk about the reversal of the poles because that has to do with the North Pole moving to the South Pole and the South Pole moving to the North Pole and it basically turns the world upside down. <coughs> Sorry, 
But we'll get through this, and because uh, there's there's a lot to cover and a lot to say, and those things are you know all very interesting. In the seventeenth verse of the same chapter, uh, Isaiah forty-five, it says, uh, you know, um, in the eighteenth verse, I should say. Thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself formed the earth and made it to be established. He created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there's none else. So when things are made out there, like the earth and like planets and like stars, they're for a purpose. They're not just decoration. They're for a purpose. There are cases in which some things are created as probes, but that's still for a purpose. And I think we need to have a total understanding of that. Just like in, in Isaiah fifty one sixteen, where we revealed to the manifest listeners that uh, God speaks about that he plants, plant, he's going to plant the heavens from the foundations of this earth. Humankind is going to go out into space and they're going to plant the heavens. Now, I've had people say to say, why do we need to do that? Well, because God is a God of love, and God loves souls. And and he, he wants uh, the people on this planet to be fruitful and multiply. And eventually, they're going to multiply so much that this earth isn't going to be big enough to support all the people that need to be created. And so the creations are going to go on and on and on. So God knows how to make just enough things miserable on this earth so that there will be people that are going to say, like some of the scientists are saying now, you know what? Uh, we better have a plan. We better check out some of these other uh, planets in the solar system, uh, you know, because uh, we need another place for the people to go if the human race is going to survive. And that's exactly uh, the plan of God is for, pe for, for the scientists and, and various people to think that way because God does have a plan for the people of this earth uh, to advance and move on out into space. Now, there's some of you that have a problem with that because you believe that Jesus Christ is coming any day. And so you think, well, that's just foolish. Why should we be thinking about moving out into space? Christ is coming. It's going to all be over. Well, that's just how this is one of the cases in which there are millions of people who are believing what they're believing, and they think it's light, but it's actually darkness. It is not what the Bible teaches. It's just what you have been told that that's what the Bible says. The Bible does not say that, and there is no scholar and no uh, minister on the face of this earth that can face me uh, face to face and show me that the Bible does say that, because I know this Bible, and I know it really well, and I know that is not the teaching of the Bible. That is not what the Bible says. And we're not saying that Christ is not coming. Yes, Christ is coming. But this idea that he's about ready to come any moment is not true at all. There are many things that have to be fulfilled, and they are going to stretch out for many generations of time. So that that is just what the fact is. And people that don't want to believe that is because they are into forbidden knowledge. In the church that they go to, it's forbidden for them to listen to someone preaching like that. It's forbidden for them to hear someone say that, you know, the, the coming of Jesus uh, is different than what the churches are teaching. And they just go on from year to year and from generation to generation, uh, having people expect that any moment, you know, that uh, Christ is going to appear. They've got people just living on the edge. And someone will say, yeah, but the Bible says no one knows, no one knows the day or the hour.
the day or the hour when you start putting it into to a um, uh, you know a accounting of time uh, would not you know be a vast period of time uh, to to not have the knowledge of. If you don't know the day or the hour, but you know the general time uh, that is close, that would be great. And yeah, you didn't know the day, you didn't know the hour, but you you, you had a general perspective. Uh, that you know, the Bible doesn't say that that can't be that can't be given. And there's all kinds of information in the Bible uh, to uh, be relative as to when uh, the coming of the Lord is and when the coming of the Lord is not. And there's reasons why that the coming of the Lord is just not this minute or the next minute. And part of the reasons people are confused is because of how some of the Bible has been translated and translated in words like, like uh, you know, he comes quickly, uh, he, he'll, he shortly will be here. And those are incorrect translations. And when people hear those kind of translations, because they, they base them specifically, you know, on the word and not on the text. And the only way you can really know what the Bible is saying is to understand it textually, and you have to understand it not just with the paragraph it's in, but, uh, and not just with the chapter's in, and not just with the book it's in, but with the whole Word of God, because it's all one function, one revelation. And, and that's where people have made the mistake, and they, they end up not getting the revelation of what it is, what it is really saying, and what is really being taught. And, um, and so it's very, very important for people to understand this uh, when it comes to the mystery of the time. The mystery of the time is profound. <clears throat> and there are millions and millions of people that have no idea of, of, of what it means. It's just like some of the teachings that we did a while back here, you know, when we were t talking and teaching on the seventh seal. And we were showing people in the book of Revelations when it talks about the stars are going to fall to heaven. And you've got people saying, oh, yeah, well, this earth's going to be destroyed because stars are going to fall here to heaven. <laughs> the earth is, a, is not even as big as a speck of dust compared to, to a star. It wouldn't even be as big as a speck of dust compared to a star. It would be smaller than that. So there, there's not any stars that are suns, stars, suns, S-U-N-S, that are going to fall on, on this planet because there's no room to fall here. So that is not what it's talking about. And when the Bible says that all the mountains and the hills are going to disappear, they're going to just flatten out, you would have to have some understanding of that, of what that would do to the earth, what that would mean to the earth, and what the cause of that would be. Uh, because that would be a sensational thing uh, of the greatest magnitude as to its effect upon the earth and and the changes that would have to uh, be so profoundly uh, evident of happening for for that to occur so so that is another thing that is not going to to happen and um, there are different meanings in that someone says, well, the Bible says there's uh, you know there's not going to be any more sea. Well, did you realize that, you know, there's, you know, more water than there is land on this earth as far as surface, you know? And if you do away with all the sea and all the, uh, all the oceans and the water, uh, you're, you're, you're talking about even affecting the rivers. 
You know, they say, well, it didn't say that the rivers would be here. Well, where do all the rivers uh, go to? The Bible say all the rivers flow to the sea. So, so if there's not going to be any more sea, then there's not going to be any more rivers because there wouldn't be any uh, waters to flow into the sea. And that's not going to happen either. Well, what is it talking about? Well, the Bible says in the 17th chapter uh, of um, Revelations that, that, you know, that waters and seas and, and, and rivers, you know, those, those can mean people. They can mean entities. <clears throat> In this particular case, when it's talking about there shall be no more sea, <clears throat> it's talking about that the ophanims who are fallen down in human bodies at this time will have finished their regenerations. And there will be no more uh, people living on the earth uh, that came down here and took bodies and that had souls. That had pre, they had pre-existed, and you'll have the new creation here. All those people that came and fell down to this earth and fell into matter, they were ophanims. And the day is coming when all of the ophanims are going to be given their time and their chance, and then that is going to be finished. And when that happens, there's going to be no more ophanci. There will be no more because all that will be left on the earth will be the new people that do not have, they do not yet have souls. And and so they were the original plan for what was to happen uh, in the Garden of Eden. They were to, they were to have the opportunity to have souls. And there were all kinds of humans that were alive on the earth that did not have souls. But they end up being displaced and not being part of the plan of God because if the sons of God would 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 have married who did not have souls, the daughters of men, that would have that would have alienated the plan of God as far as as far as uh, uh, effecting uh, the transference of the soul to to the children. And so uh, that is very, very important to understand, you know. So the Bible says that all these people that have souls, that are the ophanims in fallen into matter, that their names have been written down in the book of life before the foundations of this world. They preexisted this world. But the new people that are coming on, the new souls that are coming on, that do not yet have souls, the Bible says that their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. So those things are very, very important to you to, to have and, and to to compare because if a if a person doesn't compare that, then they're just plain lost. Now hang in here because I have so much to share with you tonight. And, and yes, some of the very things I'm teaching right now, you know, there will be people people, you know, say, "Oh my God." You know, don't listen to that. It, it, it will be forbidden uh, insights, forbidden doctrine. But, you know, it's real and it's true. And and it's the Word of God uh, that makes the whole Bible uh, come together and and make a, a, a true story and, and a, a, a living uh, um, revelation of what the, the real is, is. Okay, so one has to be very careful, you know, as you deal with 
going across the extremes that are available in life, that you do not uh, do so to the extent that you put within your own self a displaced um, condition <clears throat> so that you are one of those who have displaced some of the real true insights of God, some of the real uh, things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to people, and, and by uh, crossing over into those extremes and displacing within yourself those uh, truths and opportunities, you join the club, you know, of forbidden insights. So those things are are very, very, very uh, serious, and and uh, we we need to, you know, totally totally understand that. Well, tonight I want to go into teaching here, and I'm sure there would be groups and people out there that would definitely forbid uh, maybe uh, some of these things that I want to talk about uh, in in uh, this idea of the chief musician, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, here's this beautiful Psalms. And I never finished reading that yet. I'm, I do have to get, you know, back into that and finish that verse because uh, it is part of the revelation. But I, I want tonight... Uh, 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 before I do get back into that, to say that I want to get into the story about an actual living individual who who he's dead now, but he was one of, the, in my opinion, one of the greatest uh, musicians uh, as a concert pianist uh, that has been alive on this planet. And I want to talk about him, and I want to talk about some things that he uh, achieved, in my opinion, in the transcendental in 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 the music world and and uh how that that has a connection to places that we can go in in the uh, are on the various levels that we are uh involved in as we are uh looking into those le levels of declaration uh you know whether it's the, the the you know the higher heavens and uh and or whether it's the firmament that showeth the, the handiworks, or whether it gets down even to uh, to other uh, timelines uh, lesser than that. Let's go on then with this 19th chapter of uh, Psalms. Uh, we're um, uh, going to go to verse 3. There is no speech, nor language, where their voice is not heard. And understand that this thing is a plurality, where their voice but at the same time that there uh, is a uh, is a plurality voice is 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 a a single uh, expression so we have a plural voice and this is like the sound of the many living waters you know uh it's it's one sound but it has many diversified uh expressions and uh so we have you know uh there's no speech uh, nor language where their voice is not heard. That means, ladies and gentlemen, that no matter what nation you go into, no matter what tongue you are exposed to, uh, no matter whether you are searching God in the day-to-day -day revelation order or searching God in the night-to-night -night revelation order, that this word of God, the revelation of God, is available in different levels and different forms. It's available as the high, highest speech of declaration. It's available as as knowledge. Uh, and it's available in general um, uh, revelation of, of word uh, in all things. It, 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 there is no language 
There is no language that their voice is not heard. This means there is no reason for you to not be able to eventually, uh, on in, in the timeline, come into a revelation from God. Uh, it doesn't matter what level of language. If it's a level a level of language that has to do with music, uh, there is something there for you, and and, and uh, it can be made available. God can open your mind so that you can understand it, even if it's mathematics. If there if it if it's music and you're not into music. And maybe you might say, I can't tell one tune from another or one uh, one sound from another. Nevertheless, there's no language that, that the voice of God is not heard. And and that means that that makes that available in all those different forms, whether whether it's science or math or, or whether it, it's um, uh, just, just uh, common everyday language, whether, whether it is the sound uh, uh, of word in music, the sound of knowledge in music, uh, on and on uh, into the skills, uh, into the experiences, into all the, the different, um, you know, uh, surveys uh, that are about all the, the different um, spaces of, of, of forms and knowledge that, that are uh, on the earth. They are available to whosoever will. And that's what we have to understand. So it's, it's not going to be difficult to find what God is speaking. It's not going to be impossible to know what God has, has as a message uh, to every uh, living entity, every potential entity uh, that is born or ever going to be born. Because it is uh, being declared in the glories of God are being declared in the heavens as a glory of God. Uh, it's being declared as a, as a handiwork in the firmament. And day unto day, uh, if you are a person that is just into this spiritual level, uh, there is a word there for you. If you are a person that you're, you're struggling in the night tonight, there is knowledge there for you. Because there is no level, there is no night uh, or day, there is no sequence that that it lacks the word of God, and there could be people out there that call themselves atheists. There could be people that call themselves agnostics. There could be people who call themselves all kinds of organized names and descriptions. But in the end, there is absolutely no way that anyone can get away from this word of God that is written in every atom and every molecule and every. Uh, 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 fractal uh, of the existence uh, of the cosmos. So, verse 4, their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And, and I particularly uh, uh, appreciated that expression, that in this particular instance, it mentions the line has gone out through all the earth. It does not mean that the line did not go out from the heaven of heavens. But <clears throat> in this particular reference, there is uh, this beautiful thing here of, of, of the ministry on earth. Uh, their line has gone out through all the earth. There's a point where uh, the knowledge of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. When that knowledge has gone uh uh, all over the earth, it covered all the earth, and there's no place that it's not gone. 
Then the next thing that happens is the conjunction and, and, which is also Sendadaki, that and their words to the end of the world, or like the end of the universe. In them has he set a tabernacle for the sun. So what are these different forms of, of word? What are these different levels of word? What are these different revelations of word? What are these different highs and lows? They're all about one thing, that within all of those words, within all of those different forms, where there's the, 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 the songs to the chief musician, whether it's some scientific level that people are making a breakthrough of some particular point about creation, there is within all of these different levels and forms uh, incorporated this this word and revelation of God. So it's, it's utterly, uh, absolutely beautiful and incredible uh, for all of that to be understood. And in those words, in those words that go to the ends of the world and will will eventually cover the whole earth as the waters cover you know as the waters cover the sea, uh, what is built into those is a tabernacle for the sun, and that I find very beautiful, very poetic. Tabernacle for the sun, a place of worship, you know, for 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 the the ultimate source of of light uh, that is given for your planet, for your life, for your realm, for your habitat. And then it goes on to explain it further in verse 5, which is as a bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run the race. It's all of those things, all of this word, all these forms, all these sequences, all these levels are, are a tabernacle that is set in the words and which are, which is a bridegroom. It's all has the message of the bridegroom. If there's a bridegroom, then there's a groom. So by saying bridegroom, it also incorporates the 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 the, the groom. It also incorporates the chamber. So there are these chambers of life. Right now, we're on this planet Earth, and that's a chamber of life. But once we leave this planet Earth and we start developing life on another planet, that's a different chamber. And, and, and there, there's, there's a race, a race to overcome, a race to, uh, to advance higher and higher into the status levels of spirituality. And um, this going forth of this, these, all these connections that we are just now talking about, verse 6 says, his going forth is from the end of heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat, the intensity, uh, from the syntonic fire, from the glory, from the power uh, of it. Uh, there is no place that a person can in any kind of, of conferencing of thought, in any kind of name uh, of society uh, or ideology, you cannot hide from these truths. You can only deny them and claim that you don't see them and cause them to be a displacement uh, in, in your immediate uh, actions, uh, but they are written in everything, and that means even the atoms that you wear as a body, they are written in them. So in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. This, this law of God 
is perfect. That's why it, it can't be eradicated. That's why it can't be denied. That's, that's why it can't just be set aside as a, a foolish, uh, wish or as some kind of just, uh, you know, uh, uh, imagination that has n no purpose. Um, and what does it do? It converts the soul. It's going to change you from the creature that you are, from the mortal to the spiritual. And that is all the part of the plan. That's why the getting and digging into the revelation, getting and digging in to what the heavens are declaring, getting into the knowledge of what the, all of these things of, of the different levels of day unto day, night unto night, and, and of the line, which is the sound that has gone out from the earth into all the universe. That we're in a projection mode right now. This message that has come to the to us through the through the earth, the earth being our human uh, earthly bodies, the earth being our planet, uh, is supposed to be projected uh, right out to the ends of, of the universe, and and uh, and and this whole message is intended to get out, and that's part of what. Uh, we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to plant the heavens don't get into this uh, you know false notion you know about that christ is coming any minute there's a job there's a plan there's a work the the, the people of god are going to plant the heavens we're going on out into space time is going on for hundreds and thousands of years and and, and uh, jesus basically in his teaching said you know and this is i'm going to paraphrase it but this is what he was really teaching you'll always have the poor with you you, there's always going to be wars. I mean, because there's been wars since the beginning, you know, of, of the Garden of Eden. There's always going to be wars. There's always going to be, always going to be, uh, you know, um, there, there's there's always going to be uh, pestilence and famine and, and men's hearts failing them for fear. That's always going to happen. Why? Because this is not paradise. This is the Tartaru. This is sort of a earthly kind of hell on earth. And and we have, you know, some reasonable times in between, but but it's not very long of an interval before you know you've got sickness and death and, and suffering and crime and and all kinds of horrible things that happen. Uh, uh, but you know, God is converting the the soul in us and given us a testimony and the testimony of the lord it says in verse 7 is sure and what it will do it will make uh um wise the simple no matter where you at on your level even if you're in the most simple level of understanding it is the promise of the word of god that this whole uh connected uh latolution and, and and sequence of of things that are birthed as as lattice into the whole universe is a, a converging and and confluence of a happening that is going to ultimately allow everyone who has the will to and desires to uh, to be able to uh, convert in their soul and and they're going to whether they're even into the 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 most uh, simplistic thing they're going to be able to be made wise uh, wise and 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 uh, verse 8 the statutes of the lord are right and they will rejoice your heart the commandments of the lord are pure and they will enlighten your eyes so it's just all beautiful and we could go on and on and on with that but i've got to keep moving here i've got so much to cover 
and and, and uh, you know, I want to get as much of it in as possible. Okay, now, <coughs> excuse me. Several years ago, uh, it's been quite a few years. I happened to have on. Um, I don't know if it was a tele television documentary, but it was about a uh, famous Canadian pianist. And his name is Glenn Gould, G-O-U-L-D, Glenn Gould. And he's a Canadian, and he's played uh, uh, fabulous concerts uh, in Europe, Russia. You know, he's been uh, to Germany, Austria. He's, he's been all over the world. and But he's very, very different. I only saw a little blurb of him. But the minute that I saw him, I had a witness that there was something about him that was transcendent, and uh, I just knew, I just knew that there was, and um, well, I, I thank God that in these last few days, there's been a couple, um, you know, uh, television uh, uh, documentaries come on about him, and the one that just came on uh, here um, just recently uh, really verified this thing that I had been that I had shared with my family and other people about this person. Uh, and and, and I, so I, I just think it's the time, you know, for this message, uh, you know, that like in Psalms 19 that was written to the chief musician. Uh, I want to get into a little bit about the musician aspect of things. Amen. Just hold on a minute. I had to sneeze. It's not going to stop this message. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about this. This, uh, you know, Glenn Gould. Uh, he's he's very different, and the only way you can really know that is to uh, get on the internet, look him up, listen to some of his his um, uh, performances, and how he talks, how he looks, <clears throat> and then maybe with what I have to say uh, here about about him that that will uh, that will do something for you okay well what is it that he that he has or that he does well he he gets into the music in a different way he gets into the music so that he's so concentrated into it like if he's playing you know Bach or Beethoven or or he's playing playing Mozart Haydn or, or uh, you know, uh, Chopin. He he gets into the music, and uh, he interprets it in very unique and, and unusual ways uh, that uh, that people recognize that this man is a performer uh, uh, of uh, you know of the age. He's, he was a unique man. Now, he's dead. He died at fifty years old, so he's been dead a while. Uh, uh, but uh, you know he's still in re very recent time, but he's he's not alive any at this time. But uh, I I want I want to to explain something. Um, when he would play, for instance, um, Bach, that was one of his favorite uh, composers. Uh, he would get into playing the uh, Bach so perfectly and and some of this with beethoven so perfectly so absolutely to the critical point 
that he would get into it, and from the music score that was written, he began to be able to feel what it was that that musician, when he was writing that composition at the time, was trying to express. The, the, the degree of, of, uh, of attack on the piano, or the softness, or, or the accent, uh, and, and all of the, the musical things that go along with that. And um, as he as he began to to perfect this, um, he would say that sometimes you there might be like um, a couple measures that's part of a song. It has maybe you know eight or ten notes in it or more. And he would have as many as sixteen potential variations. Now, if you know music, you know like well you know. You're gonna you have a, a dotted eighth note and you've got a quarter note and you have to just play that accordingly on the line that it's on for the pitch and and for the tone dura uh, duration uh, how could it be 16 different kinds of variations well there could be if you really really are a chief musician because chief musicians understand things about about expressions that the average musician does not have any idea about it. And, and, and there is a place that you can reach in that understanding. So he would say that he would perfect these uh, uh, six, 16 uh, different uh, potentiations to the point that he would get it down to one. And then he would set those others out of the picture and just concentrate on that one entry of being the one that he was going to, uh, you know, uh, uh, interpose into uh, his uh, uh, song and play. Well, uh, the, it has been said and recognized that um, there is, a, by some musicians that really get into the concentration and into the feel of the vibration of a melody, and in to to the point that they could feel almost like the spirit of that person and how they were expressing uh, something uh, on the piano or whether it be a violin or another instrument and they could feel it so that they are so exactly duplicating the touch the the style the so exactly that that the very uh, spirit of that uh, uh, style of playing uh, you know repeats the spirit and the intent that that person, when he wrote the song, was feeling and was trying to express. And when that happens, uh, there is a cohesion, a, a, a function that, that intermingles itself uh, with the, the spirit of, of, of that con concept. And uh, uh, there are musicians that have been known to understand that that this experience moves them into a spirit of transcendentalism where they touch the suspended, uh, suspended presence of the spirit of that song and even, in a sense, the suspended presence of the intent of the person of that song, no matter that it goes back maybe hundreds of years. And and, and it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. Now, uh, so there are, are people
people that recognized that when uh, Glenn Gould would play certain of the Bach, that Glenn Gould would just disappear because he was so had so found the method of playing Bach that it was Bach that was playing because he was playing exactly as Bach would have played that song, would have played that melody. So it was Bach that was playing and no longer, you know, was Gould who's, you know, quite quite uh, the performer on the piano and, and, and has many styles, but he would just melt in and become like he was, he was uh, Bach playing that song just as he played it that so many, many years ago. So someone asked him, well, how is it that you're able to do this with Bach? But for instance, with Chopin, that you, you, you're not able to do that. You, we've never heard anything you play of his, although you've played his music, but that has that kind of uh, transcendence. And the idea, of course, was that uh, Chopin was had infused into his playing, and let me just use this for instance, say works of Haydn, styles of Haydn, styles of Mozart, and uh, infused it. Maybe it would be some other mu uh, top performing musicians. Uh, but when he was, we would play, when Chopin would play, he, his work was fractioned with a conglomeration of all these different people. So it did not have that, that, uh, uh, singleized, uh, uh, expression that was the deep motive, uh, 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 and the spirit expression of that person who, who like wrote this uh, particular song and was so moved, uh, in his writing of it. Uh, by the very nature of an expression that he was making in his music. And so that was the difference why Chopin uh, could not be used, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> could not be developed by uh, um, Glenn. He didn't have the desire to develop it because it did not have the same, you know, um, pureness of presence uh, that that Bach had. Uh, that was right there that could be with great concentration and transcendence lifted off of the score. Now, I find that very, 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 very interesting that whether it would be a sonata or a waltz or, or some very, uh, you know, deep uh, concert uh, performance, uh, that there are hollow spaces around about those particular uh <clears throat> music uh, um, uh, designs uh, of brilliance that uh, are capable to be found. And in those uh, lingering about uh, this, these great works, uh, those hollow spaces, there is the capture of that suspended presence. And, and uh, so that some of these uh, realities are almost like dialectical uh, in, in a sense. How that uh, how that they can uh, you know um, uh, produce melodies that no longer follow a line. Uh, they are cut and delocalized and integrated into a uh, a resonance on one part and a dissonance on another part, sort of like a allegro con brio, uh, and those things are so absolutely. Um, 
you know, incredible. They become a backline uh, that that has, you know, um, a, a dress of of um, of color to it that um, that allows it to to connect on a higher level. Like I have called it a theme that happens above a certain level and and uh, those themes that happen are like another melody line that you're playing your music but all of a sudden you hear this other melody line that's not written on the score it's not there but you hear this other melody line and there's a transcendence <clears throat> well that can all be translated uh, you know, into a transformation, into a very, very spiritual uh, place that people can achieve if they're not musicians, but they're on the, some other type of level. Maybe like, for instance, like when I'm manifesting the word, there I have reached that place uh, on different levels as I get into these different depths of expressing the word. And, and sometimes I remember one time when I was... Um, uh, um, really into some of the things that David had written, something very similar that I experienced that uh, Glenn Gould said he experienced with the Bach. Bach. He explained that he reached this point where he was so into that word, so into feeling the presence of Bach, that that one time it was like he could hear him say, now this right here, right here, this, this I would not that that is a mistake i should not have left that in this song and if i were still alive i would take that out of this song well i had an experience similar to that in reading of the book of psalms and it's like i could feel david's spirit speaking to me and saying to me you know uh, uh please help me take out these these bloody words these bloody sentences uh, that are in uh, some of my writings uh, please help me. Uh, I see now from afar that, that I shouldn't have put them in there. Uh, please help me take those bloody words out of these uh, sayings. And these are all some of the transcendental things that begin to manifest in me on that that suspended uh, uh, presence level uh, where there's transcendental conveyances that were coming to me as I was totally into the... Uh, the harmony of the word and I was feeling the the impulses of David and and as I felt those impulses I felt both those things which were very very spiritual and those things which were <clears throat> very mortal so <clears throat> I think that that all characterizes some absolutely super glorious things okay now um, in the sense of calling those things that are as things that are not and those things that are not as things that that are um, and this of course is scripture I've quoted to you many times from the Bible um, we can impose a virtual reality which virtual reality can become a memory which memory can become a seed of construct so that a person can uh, amazingly now. I'm sorry to use such a um, 
a low-level comparison. But Jesus said that, that, that people can commit adultery in their heart by looking upon a woman a certain way. They can commit adultery. So, so here is a situation in which that person has not committed literally, physically adultery with that woman, uh, has not actually construed that act, but in his mind, in that certain level, in that certain intensity of desire, uh, he actually reaches a place not necessarily transcendence, but 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 the opposite of counter transcendence, in which it has uh, a development of an equilibrium that allows that person uh, to be so connected with that that other individual that are they they are desiring or lusting after that when they commit those thoughts in their mind, they are literally then of a nature uh, to have virtually committed it. Therefore, uh, they are. Are, are virtually guilty of having committed that in their heart. And it becomes, going backwards, a seed of construct uh, that produces a memory, uh, and from a memory that is uh, part of a virtual reality. And it connects into calling those things that are not as though they were, and those things uh that are not as things that that uh, that that can be. So so those uh, all of those things are uh, interesting uh, <clears throat> because you know we're we're dealing here in the world today with overcoming normalcy, normalcy, uh, you know, and its biases that that want to produce the word forbidden uh, to the insights of the things of God, to the revelations of God. They want to steal away from you, you know, all of the things uh, that that's the rainbow covenant. They want to take that away from you and and uh, so that, you know, you no longer, you no longer have that. Well, uh, I want to share with you now to show you how uh, interesting that this whole revelation is. Those of you that are out there listening today, and you have a copy of of this um, Seventh Thunder Speak Manifest Chronicles before Genesis by the Manifester, and there is no book like this ever written in the world, and anyone who has ever uh, gotten one of these books uh, knows it. But but uh, uh, when I was writing this uh, book um, by the Spirit of God. Uh, many, many, many years ago, this revelation came to me, and uh, it's under the 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 system where it's you know it's going through all the different numbers, and you know like hepad and octad and and uh, all that. So we're going to start on page three ninety nine, and I'm going to just sort of read over some of this stuff. Uh, this is a very, very deep uh, uh, revelation here, but please try to hang in there and uh, don't forsake me. Listen to this because it's good. Octad, page 399, down about a paragraph and a half. The point of rejection lies in the same plane of margins as the point of acceptance. When you feel overwhelmed with rejection, do not despair. Do not quit. Simply acknowledge your situation and turn to the goodness of God's grace. Remember, there is an opposite for every low, a counterpoint to every physical point, and the potential for inversion lies at the tip of your response. Now, there is a mouthful 
of incredible things. And I could break down and preach on every one of those, finish out this whole message uh, uh, just with with all the things that could be said there. But I want to get on into the musical part of this revelation. In the parallels of musical scales, in the parallels of musical scales, the octave of a tone is the same key and the same vibration, but at a different point in the scale. Let us use the most centered tone. Now, let's say we're talking on a piano. Uh, tone A as representing the center point of the piano. So if we were to choose an A as basically in the middle of the piano, uh, uh, you know, was what we'd be talking about. Which application further used transcendentally as a center point of spirituality and perfection? <clears throat> and that is by taking it into understanding that as we are literally playing it in its regular uh, uh, compose as a uh, uh, reflection of sound, as a tonation of sound on the piano and has a literal aspect to it, that there is also a parallel. And the parallel to that uh, is this counterpoint. And this counterpoint, you know, um, uh, can be considered uh, to have um, transcendental uh, and, uh, uh, and, you know, uh, application and uh, uh, spirituality and even perfection can be represented here in this musical uh, um, use and explanation of a parallel. And uh, so let's just get into this a little bit because this is interesting. This is like another letter to the chief musician. I, I think if uh, Glenn Gould could have had this to read, uh, I don't know that I'll be able to go through the whole thing because it's several pages, but I'll do what I can here. I think he, he could have understood it and could have believed it because I do believe, although there's a lot of people that knew him that did not understand that, I do believe that he was into this transcendence. And he did say toward the end of his life that he did believe that, that there was life after death. And uh, and he, he says, I can't prove it, but he says, my intuition tells me that there is. Okay, so let us use, uh, we got, we're using the A and, uh, and as representing a center point of the piano. Which application further used transcendentally as a center point of spirituality? So if we're in the center point of the, of literally of the piano, then the counterpoint of that would be, uh, a, a center point of spirituality and perfection. Then going down the scale from A, uh, to, to, uh, uh, from A, the center point, one may descend, uh, by octaves. And you go A1, a2, A3, uh, because from A to A is an octave. You know, say, so, so <clears throat> we're t talking there of an octave, say, like of 12 keys, and that becomes an octave. Well, when we say uh, A1, we're talking about a, a one that is below the line, and they call these a subbed, that's a sub-note. So, you, so, the, so it's A1 sub, a two sub, A three sub, so we're going down in octaves, okay? Or by by going up the scale by octaves, A one. Now this is a, a one that is a uh, uh, that goes up uh, uh, partially above the A. So those are called uh, super uh, superscripts. 
So you've got A1, A2, A3, those are three octaves up, and so on. The glory of possibilities even allows one to reach etos of beyondness. Now, an eto, like you've heard people say uh, they're singing in false eto. That means that uh, <clears throat> they, with their natural voice, can't reach uh, a, a certain higher pitch. So they go into this false eto that allows them to reach this higher pitch, but it's not really coming from a chord construct of, of their natural um, uh, voice, uh, vocal chord. And but it allows them to reach uh, an ethos, uh, you know, uh, this could be uh, described, uh, you know, as uh, say a uh, tonal expression outside of the of the natural sound range. Uh, so <clears throat> let's move on. So as as we look at this, uh, this ethos takes you into a beyondness, something beyond your uh, normal capability, but it does allow you to reach out. Now, that is in the literal uh, playing field. Now, if you go into the parallel of that, then there has to be some kind of, of eto, uh, which when we refer to this, we call it the true eto, the true eto, which uh, allows you to come into a place of spirituality first in what is your normal range. But then also, by true eto, go beyond your your normal original range of spirituality to a higher range that's actually beyond uh, your capability and knowledge, but you are able to, to enter into it. You're able to reach it because you go into this true eto. So you go in, in, into these, these, uh, these super uh, uh, script uh, scores. So I, I just find that, you know, so absolutely uh, interesting. In the resolution of scales, the basic pulse and the rhythm of amplitudes ascends and descends. Yet in the transcendentalistic sense, it may be said another parallel is potentiated. In that transcendental parallel, uh, in the resolution of scales or the essence of spiritual magnitudes, uh, there, that ascends and descends. So... Um, Metaphorically and uh, phototransitionally, uh, imaginatively, as though playing notes of a piano, begin your ascent from center tone A. Consider uh, center tone A as a potential liftoff point from which you can ascend or descend, and you can uh, not uh, and you cannot stay in the uh, chueto uh, to sympathetic spiritual consciousness consciousness but for a while so um, when a person starts off at the center point of their life and that center point happens to be where you are right now where you are in your life with God where you are in your relationship with your mortal life and that becomes your center point and and you can go upscale or downscale you can go into into the sub octaves or you can go into the superscript octaves uh, and, and and to get beyond what your normal range of capability would be you have to go into these etos you know and and uh, going into those etos uh, especially the true eto going up the scale helps you to get into um, phototransitions uh, that that produce an action and production of sound 
that that uh, bring you into uh, uh, really ascendant or descendant octaves uh, that allow you to become enfanced and into a, a subduction uh, of sense by the sounds of, of, of those exposures. And so a subtone uh, could be considered uh, in a subduction sense uh, by the sounds of A1 uh, to, to be um, uh, the deep of compresses of the memory and and uh, uh, with it being compressed in the memory, the sound of a true echo could be performed uh, and except for a tingling of the knowingness that lies subconsciously uh, within you, uh, you would not even be aware of what was happening in your first exposures to it. But as you com- begin to get more and more exposure to it, you will begin more and more to to have an affiliation and understanding. Now, one time when um, uh, I was home, and it was on a Sunday morning, and this Sunday morning, uh, one of the body ministry was ministering, and I was not going. I was going to be uh, ministering that night, and I was home, and I just felt the spirit move on me to go play the piano. Now I'm certainly not a, a, a Glenn Gould or or a, a Bach or Beethoven or a Haydn or a Mozart uh, by a long stretch, but I do enjoy to play the piano. But this time, as the Spirit moved me to the piano, I went over there and sat at it. I closed my eyes, and I began moving my hands. And all of a sudden, it was like the Spirit got hold of my hands. And I began to play a really high, technical, classical concert, uh, uh, classical music I had never, ever played before, nor did I even know how to play that uh, kind of music in that kind of a performance and and as I was playing that and I, I, I didn't want to stop I, I, I was just caught up in the transcendence of it and I began to be able to hear this what I call the theme that suspended presence that that melody above the melody of 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 the of of the literal music that I was playing on the piano, and uh, and it was a it was a very nice grand piano. It was a concert grand. I was playing it, by the way. Uh, it was in our home, and uh, uh, those are like you know they're they call them ten foot grands. They're not exactly ten foot, but they're they're so close they call them ten foots. So so uh, I never ever have ever been able to forget that experience that I had. I had another similar experience to that once when I was in a town called Grand Prairie and we were living in this high rise and I was the only one there. My wife had gone out to take care of some uh, business or, or, or banking or shopping. I'm not sure. But I was there and the spirit came on me. And the Spirit came on me to go and get these glasses. So I went and I got these glasses, and I filled them up with water just as I felt moved on by the Spirit and moved them and set them on the counter. Then I went and I got uh, uh, one of the lighter knives, and and, uh, and I began to just ding the, the rim of these glasses, uh, and, and I would get these different sounds. And some of them were really high pitches. Well, you know... Uh, 
I can I can uh, do not too bad on uh, uh, the uh, scale of low and high pitches when I sing, but but these pitches were like an octave higher than I could even sing. But as I was playing these with this with this knife and and going, all of a sudden I began to feel this this transcendental energy come into me. And as I began to play in these, I started singing this melody. And at first I was singing it in an octave too low. And then my voice started rising and rising until I was up there and I was able to sing it, which is totally beyond me to be able to do, beyond my vocal cords. But nevertheless, I mean, I was awake. I wasn't asleep. I wasn't imagining it. I was literally vocalizing it, literally singing it. I had reached a theme above the center point. I had reached into the parallel theme that suspended hold, and I had opened it, and I was singing in that higher octave. So I've had those two experiences, and they're very real to me. So, so um, let let me go on now back with the book, uh, you know, because there's so much here to cover. Okay, um, we're on page four hundred one now. Uh, suspended presence, uh, you know this. Descent and this ascent, uh, this transcendental, uh, parallel, sympathetic vibration of thought, this this um, uh, in pre uh, uh, prescribable uh, uh, is is uh, beyond common uh, uh, knowledge, uh, is uh, spiritually exploratorial though in transcendentalism. Uh, so rising from A, uh, sub, ascend toward the center point of the piano to A. By natural method of ascent from A, sub, you discover that although you can reach natural A, the center point you nevertheless cannot by natural method reach directly from uh, A, a sub 1 uh, uh, to an ascent of spiritual sympathetic exploring because A1's lack of the Chueto tingling of spiritual transcendence presents no natural corresponding tonal spaces uh, on which to ascend. Uh, so, so to go to the true eto of transcends, uh, transcendental thought parallels in the easiest way, you must first then ascend to a superscript, A1, uh, and, um, and follow uh, by a superscript uh, one, uh, which is that ascendant octave, uh, you must then uh, descend back to countertone A, uh, musically chording in the A uh, of the tonal ranges, uh, tonic ranges, rather. At this point, you listen intensely and transcendentally with higher gold desires. You will begin to hear sympathetic hovering tone. Now, get a hang of this. At this point, if you listen intensely and transcendentally, with higher goal desires, you will begin to hear a sympathetic, hovering tone of a sustaining tingling above the natural tones. Keep in mind that in this application, the applied scenario is higher, uh, is higher, but higher does not mean more imminent uh, as to the greater extent of the natural. Rather, it means a kind of one-dimensional mentality. Higher denotes a supra-natural to the spiritual fluttering out of from the center heart of the natural disposition to a tingling of sympathetic alignments that abide in a beyondness of time. Now, I know I'm reading this really fast. I suggest that if you don't have the book, you get it. And you go on to the... Um, 
the blog blogs of of uh, the manifester, and somewhere in there you'll see it advertised. I'm not trying to sell you any book, but if you're interested, that's where you would get it. Okay, so I'm I'm skipping over a lot. There's just so much here about the this. Uh, different ascension and descension and and these different points of transcendentalism and how that, uh, you know, there are these potential uh, transitional, transitional launching points uh, to an alpha awareness, uh, which by resolution becomes the omega awareness. So then transcendentally, the coming and going forth of Alpha and Mega as an outreach from a physical center point to a transcendental experience can, in a sympathetically toned kind of way, be made available to the potential consciousness of advancing entities. Now, some will say, oh my goodness, I'm too simple to understand that. Well, remember what we read in the 19th chapter of Psalms? That this knowledge is going to cover the earth, that this speech of God that is everywhere, these different glories, these different levels, that it's going to make even the most simplistic person able to become wise. So just get a, a, a nail put into that, hang on to that, and refuse for it to have any other answer. So every spiritual advanced entity uh, may achieve spiritual consciousness qualities both of the alpha and the omega vibrations and their uh, dispositions. Uh, there are worlds of knowledge out there. There are worlds of experience out there. The alpha experience, the omega experience, the gamma spirit experience. Uh, uh, it's kingdom of God manifestations uh, th that that are are full of soulness and uh they they are uh powerful in allowing a person to enter uh outreaches uh that that uh are 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 so full of of transcendental revelation uh that they overcome all the subduction zones that would try to uh catch you and snag you and keep you from going ahead they overcome all those things that are even metaphorical and they overcome the subzones and the and the the lower octaves and all the natural center tones uh because they represent a deep uh connectedness beyond the physical state and and uh, because the physical state is of course a uh, more primitive state and and as you begin to ascend into these transcendentals uh you are not dealing then with just limits of basic pulse and rhythm event but you are dealing with the dimension sequence that contains transformational aspects of spiritual tonic dimension in that mindedness what is described as a one superscript the potential glory related to center tone becomes something that is transformational beyond the beyond okay i'm sort of skipping through here to share this with you because there's so much <clears throat> All right, um, let me see here where else we want to go. We're skipping over here to Etnad, uh, number nine. Um, and it talks about, um, uh, I'll skip down here to the middle of the page, 406. Um, there's opportunity to become transitioned to the octave higher center tones. 
be in an octave higher than A, has a connector opportunity, a metaphor to express spiritual glory resonance of a spiritual sympathetic tone consciousness. A person could consider achieving seven steps. Now, when we say seven steps, we're talking uh, from <clears throat> whole tone to whole tone, and we're not talking the 12 steps chromatically. You have 12 chromatic steps, and then you have an octave from seven to seven. Uh, seven, uh, when you when you go from a C up to seven, you're to B, and then from B you're uh, you go to the eighth step. You're to the, you're an octave. You're eight. So eight steps, you see. Uh, <clears throat> but the eight is a repeat of the first step. And if you're into music, you understand what I'm talking about. So I don't want to confuse you when I'm talking, uh, you know, semitones and when I'm talking whole steps. Uh, because there, that is going to make a difference of the count. <coughs> Excuse me just a moment. Wet my throat a little bit because I'm trying to talk fast enough to get this whole message in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, um, anyway, this this word goes on. There's so much in here in this uh, in this. Uh, and this 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 number nine, <clears throat> and and how that even in a ninth step, uh, it has relative cons uh, consequences as a modifier for change to a fourth position. A ninth step has a capability that nine goes over the octave one step, but by doing that, by going over the octave one step, <clears throat> instead of just from octave to octave you hit a tone that's called a ninth chord or a ninth tone and then if you put it into a ninth position uh and chord it as a ninth chord uh you end up uh, say if we're if we're coming off from the c uh, you end up with a d minor and a c seventh and uh <clears throat> as you would roll that you see uh d f a <coughs> Excuse me, and C E G B flat, and roll that as a, a chord, one following sequence after another. Uh, that would be the ninth chord. It's quite a beautiful chord, but it has built into it the sense of of a modulator, so that when you play it, even though it's a combination of D minor and C seventh, it leads you into the chord of F or the key of F. Okay. So uh, we're going to we're going to uh, we're going to stop on that because that is such a you know that's pages and pages, and I want there's a few other things I want to to get into here uh, <clears throat> that are really interesting. Uh, we're going to have to have um, um, a part two. I'm going to just tell you right now, sort of about what we'll talk about next week. This is all written into the new um, uh, ABG revelation. But but it's it, we're going to talk about uh, the temple of the Father's house, and we're going to talk about how that the ark of of the covenant was transported to the Father's house, and we're going to show you the scriptures for that, and we're going to show you uh, in an amazing way how that as we get into the time time and a half time, and that gets way up the road in time, how that the revelation uh, that's going to be revealed. 
uh, in our time about that time is just going to be so absolutely um, tasteful uh, of uh, of uh, figurative fact that it's going to make some of you people feel like you want to just jump up and down and shout uh, because it's going to reveal that uh, <clears throat> that in the end that the tree of life has been taken from the earth uh, by by branch. Uh, 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 sample and uh, plant it and, and be, to become rooted and then it, it, is, it is rooted and it is grown in an, on another planet. This is it's taken to another planet. It's in the Bible and we're going to show that. We're going to show then that there's also another plant, a plant that's been was taken by angels and at some point in the future is going to be planted on one of the highest mountains in uh, in um, Israel and how that the Bible actually teaches and shows that there will then become two trees of life. Now, the tree of life was a, a tree in the book of Genesis, uh, you know, that uh, that grew literally out of the earth. It was Genesis 2.9. It grew literally out of the earth, out of the very ground. And and so this whole thing about uh, transplanting and so forth is is literal, literal, but has a very spiritual transcendental parallel sense. We're going to we're going to go into, um, you know, um, forbidden uh, insights, uh, part two, next week. And uh, there's a lot to share and a lot to get in that is going to stir you in some beautiful, beautiful ways. So now we thank God for this word. We thank God for this word of the forbidden insights, uh, which is a big subject, and we're just uh, you know barely getting into it. Uh, and we want to get into Gentile. Uh, we have a special thing here that we want to get in and do tonight. Uh, so we're going to be dealing tonight, uh, you know, with uh, hormones. Um, a lot of people, both male and females, um, their hormone um, balance is totally out of whack. They, they, they are, they, it's not in alignment. Their uh, receptors are not working because um, they have gotten distorted so that they're the wrong color. Uh, they're the wrong size, even though at one time they perfectly matched, you know, uh, uh, the the hormone that they were made for. They've become distorted, and therefore uh, the hormone cannot fit into the the receptor. So we want to deal with with both women and men who have hormone problems, because that is a real uh, secret of, um, of uh, the activity of life in the body as, as a provision of health. It has to do with, with uh, how the body responds uh, health-wise in so many different ways and factors that is just uh, <clears throat> absolutely uh, amazing. And uh, we know that... Um, there are uh, target cells. There are uh, uh, cells with a, a specificity uh, that are are made uh, to to receive messages for a particular thing. 
uh, and and uh, if they can't receive those messages because they're skewed as a result of becoming distorted in color or or, or size or shape, uh, then that is a serious problem, uh, you know, to those receptors because they cannot they cannot receive the message, and and so because messages do not get received uh, sometimes throughout a body, all kinds of of uh, parts of the bodies. Uh, are not working right. Various glandular uh, uh, parts of the body are only uh, working in uh, a degree, and and just one thing leads to another. Uh, you know, it it, it can affect uh, your know, things like the thyroid gland. Uh, it it can uh, re affect um, all kinds of uh, other synthesis. Uh, that happens uh, from insulin uh, problems uh, uh, to uh, other hormone influences uh, that that are developed in a negative sense because uh, they are not able to to uh, move directly into the targeted uh, uh, hormone receptor that they were intended for. <coughs> so. Um, um, we 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 want to deal with that so that everyone is getting all the various kinds of hormones. <coughs> excuse me, uh, and the secretions uh, that are a result of those hormones uh, working in proper synthesis uh, that they need to have, because this is going to affect uh, you know the transport of all kinds of um, fluids. And it's going to affect the pancreas and and uh, uh, all all parts of female organs, male organs. Uh, it's very very important. So I could do a whole teaching on that, but uh, you know I, I don't. I, I, I that is not the time we have to do that. So uh, here we go. Uh, we're going to to begin with the regulating hormones, hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid. Uh, we send messages now to uh, the hypothalamus to begin to regulate the hormones uh, by the pituitary gland. Uh, we are sending into the body um, uh, the messages uh, for all of those releases into the body, whether it be things such as uh, uh, dopamine or serotonin, um, uh, whether it it, it be uh, uh, other kinds of, um, of 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 estrogens or or uh, various uh, kinds of, uh, of messages that uh, need to be released and sent into the body. Uh, <clears throat> send uh, these messages uh, also to such things as the uh, progesterone and testosterone. Um, begin to send messages uh, into uh, the corpus callosum to filter down into all of the hemispheres. Begin to send messages into the body uh, to uh, deal directly with those areas that have distorted receptors. Uh, begin through the um, immune system and various glandular systems, uh, systems that are involved in in uh, uh, making chemical equivalent, systems that are involved in in using uh, various kinds of um, 
growth factors uh, to reorganize shape and color, begin to loosen these uh, influences and uh, releases into the body uh, to begin to reactivate uh, the, these uh, ver various uh, receptors and to begin to get the uh, messages working through all the neural transmitters uh, and uh, uh, wherever uh, there is uh, any lack of things, uh, uh, messages even like from the adrenalines begin to open up all those sources by sending whatever kind of messages that need to be sent begin to activate those messages now. If there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers or messages anti to this, they are canceled. God bless you folks. We thank you so much for being with us today. And we just ask you to be with us again next week. Until then, God bless.